Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Hey there. Welcome. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're happy to have you back. Today, uh, Matthew and I are going to talk to a very interesting individual who's had a real array of experiences across both law enforcement and the military. Uh, but before we jump in, um, the last time we were with you, uh, we were at TAC Ops East in D.C. We had such a great time there. I want to give a shout out to all of our brothers and sisters who put that together and always thank our host, Larry Barrasnoy, and of course our sponsors, MagnusWorks.com, which is your resilience and well-being platform at your fingertips, and the National Command and Staff College. Thanks, everybody, for coming out to see us. Had a lot of fun with Jay Wadsworth. I went to his um, auto extraction course, and um, we talked a lot about using emotional intelligence and other growth mindset assessments uh, before taking those kinds of classes because it gives you insider information to yourself, how you're feeling, how you're thinking, what might hijack you or derail you in the middle of even doing the exercises so that you can prepare for that in real life. And all those brave working warriors uh, who took to the mat, um, it was great to meet you and an honor to practice um, with you and to, to witness all your hard work on our behalf, keeping us safe. Matthew, how are you? It's Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm looking forward to the weekend. I don't, you know, all the days are starting to meld together. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, because tomorrow we're hopping on a plane, I think, at like 6 a.m. in the morning to go to uh, see our friends out in the San Francisco area and talk to them about the MagnusWorks.com platform. They've been using it out there. We're going to go check in and see how they're doing. Looking forward to it. So uh, let me ask you, Matthew, before we get into our guest bio and background. Uh, how did you meet Steve? So it's interesting, you know, it's, uh, we have a saying uh, that we've learned that coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous, which I've seen all too often, and I'm sure everybody's experienced that. So Steve, being the unique individual, um, just for the audience, is that uh, Steve and I have actually worked indirectly, but directly with uh, common folks throughout our career, and uh, that's how I came to know Steve. Super. All right. Well, let me get into Steve's bio here. And uh, got a little bit of a froggy throat here this Friday morning. But uh, Steve Stoops, S-T-O-O-P-S. You'll get an e-card later today if you're interested, or you can always go to our website at Strategies for Turbulent Times to get all the goodness here. But Steve has worn multiple uniforms in service to his community as well as for the U.S. military. As a U.S. Marine, Steve was selected for embassy duty, assigned to embassies in Romania, Guatemala, and Bolivia. In Guatemala and on separate occasions, he was actually on the receiving end of an RPG. It was a car bomb attack on the embassy. While serving his country uh, in Bolivia, a really radical experience 
occurred for him. And many of you um, may have heard about the Nazi war criminal, Klaus Barbie. He was known as the butcher of Lyon. And I have to say um, a, a rather dramatic story here that he turned himself into Steve. And we'll talk a little bit about that on the show. And for those of you who are of the Jewish persuasion, like myself, happy Rosh Hashanah. Um, later in his career, Steve became a very ex- expert niche canine handler. He stood up the protection uh, dog detail for um, the Afghanistan president, uh, Hamad Karzai. He can talk a little bit about that. Um, he's worked with multiple agencies around the world, and he has advised uh, many agencies as well. He, he'll talk to you about all these individual programs. I don't want to just start spewing units here in the public domain, so we'll let Steve decide what he's comfortable talking about. Uh, he conducted the initial dog handler training uh, as a foundation program for all our friends out there at the FBI and the FBI HRT. Shout out to you guys. And he served his Midwest community for 21 years as a SWAT team member and 15 years as a canine officer. He's received multiple combat crosses for duty, uh, obviously of excellence, having been in several active shooting incidents and an edge weapon attack uh, before he retired. And he started two national canine organizations and has published two different working dog magazines. He's also done celebrity personal protection, including the CEO of Sony Records. And you can reach Steve at www.zanedogs.com. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Matt. Absolutely, brother. Hey, um, so, you know, getting into this, and you have, you've had one hell of a career, and I know that you're still going strong. Um, we'd like to start off the show just to kind of get in the background of your, uh, of, you know, how, how you grew up, who was the most inspirational to you that actually got you into such a uh, exciting career and multiple careers. So what a, a common theme through, through my life has been uh, all of my triumphs have been built on misfortunes, and the same goes for my childhood. I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a in a very uh, good home, I guess, and uh, had a speech impediment, uh, very shy, and that compelled me into hanging out with dogs because back then it seems like dogs were the uh, only heartbeat that I could count on. So when I was a little kid, I, I, I immediately related to dogs and it's funny how life turns out. Um, that compelled me, uh, to pursue them as a passion. It started out as fun and then it turned it into a living, um, not a well thought out plan. It just happened. Uh, but my biggest influence to be a police officer was, uh, my uncle who was a, one of the first people to get a black belt in judo in Japan in the, in the fifties, uh, post world war two. And he was, a, a, a physical, physical specimen and uh, a motivating factor for me. His name was John Gunter. Uh, he's, he's, uh, gone now, but he, he was my police role model. And then, uh, really the movies, uh, the heroes in the war movies, uh, motivated me to uh, join the Marine Corps. That's very interesting. So, um, We've never had anybody actually give a testimonial 
to their dog on the show. And I, I'm loving it because our dog is right here next to me. And I don't know if you heard the little kisses, but I'm over here with our little dog. And I just adore him. So it, yeah. it, it just yeah. warms my heart for those who are listening to know that these little furry people have such a wonderful place in our lives. Yeah, we, we don't deserve them. They're, they're too good for this world. <laughs> That's well said. Well said, my man. So uh, before getting into law enforcement, what, what exactly did you think it was going to be like, and did it turn out to be uh, close to, to what you felt it was going to be like? Um, if you can just explain a little bit about what you've learned over so many years, you know, being retired now, but also, you know, getting into the Marines as well. That's, that's an interesting double tap um, on how that all came about for you. So um, I've always been, my purpose in life, I think, what, what drove me to the, the Marine Corps and to police work is a protective instinct that I've possessed, and I think it goes back to my childhood you know, uh, how I grew up, and I always decided that I would always protect the weak. Um, and uh, and I thought a good place to start would be the Marine Corps. But you and I were talking, Matt, uh, off, offline. Uh, the Marine Corps wasn't a well-thought-out plan for me. Um, I skipped school with my buddies one day in high school, and we were uh, doing what teenage boys of that age that skipped school do, probably uh, not ethically correct things, but we ended up going to the Marine recruiting office and, uh, all four of us joined the Marine Corps that day, uh, based on a big poster of a recon Marine with a camouflage face. And, you know, that's what I want to be. And, uh, we joined on a, we joined on a whim without any forethought. Um, and then, uh, that was the start of it all of, of the, of the service driven life that I've led. That's super. I tell you, it's all, it's, it's very common, especially back in the day. And, uh, you know, being retired, um, now it's, it's interesting when you talk about the recruiting efforts on how they hooked us, you know, back in our day. And, uh, you know, we hear all too often about how they're having difficulties recruiting these days. Uh, we won't get too much into that stuff, but it's just for the audience, uh, just how generations change. But, you know, just to hear from guys like Steve, and others that are retired, you know, it's uh, this a lot of good information that we can give uh, to get our military back on track if it isn't. So as you look at your career, Steve, um, could you share some uh, defining moments in the line of duty uh, where you learned a hard lesson that made you a better version of yourself? Oh, my gosh, there's 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 numerous incidents that, that, uh, that, that fit that profile that you're, you're asking. Um, I would say in the Marines was, uh, the first, the biggest impact. My life wouldn't have ended up the way it is without the Marine Corps. And when I went in, there were no, there were no points of reference for the Marine Corps. There were no discovery channel, uh, about Marine Corps boot camp. There was no full metal jacket or any movie like that. So all I knew was what the recruiter told me. And, uh, then when I got to San Diego, then I, I uh, was introduced to the stark reality of the Marine Corps at that time. Um, uh, so making it through boot camp and, and uh, the adversity there uh, uh, was the catalyst for me to make it through. Um, and I, I think with your, your Navy training as well, you can it, it, it prepared me for encounters to come throughout my whole life. 
And, uh, um, but so I, I would say a defining moment for me was boot camp. Yeah, I tell you, um, and that's, uh, something that's very, uh, I think needed for the military, especially with boot camp, because the transition from being a young adult or a young or even an older child is great. I mean, the world's so big and to get that experience and go into there to define, you know, a specific moment like that. Now, while you're an operator, do you have any uh, specific examples? You know, you share some of the information about being down south, you know, being overseas in uh, your bio. Um, for the audience, um, you know, as we grow throughout a career, you know, it's almost like a like a marriage, right? That person is going to change. And, uh, you know, when we get into leadership, you know, like we share a lot, um, whether it's law enforcement, military, special operations, special forces, um, you know, you're getting fed with a fire hose throughout your whole career. And uh, all of a sudden, you're asked to be the, that leader. Um, and the challenges of being a leader, if you could describe just um, as you got into leadership, what has helped you uh, get through and persevere and some of the challenges that you experienced through the, those times? Um, I think, um, on for bad incidents, I think I've always, uh, thought of, um, scenarios, uh, in my downtime. What would I do if, what would I do if, and, uh, um, just prepare and prepare my mind. And, uh, I, I'll give you an example. The, when I was in Guatemala, a car bomb went off. Uh, I was sitting, it was like eight o'clock at night, boring. I'm the only one in the embassy at that time. And the bomb blast was so severe that it blew all the front glass out of the embassy. And a pr- pretty traumatic event, but I'm the guy running the show there, and I had to catch my breath and think, okay, you know, you're, you're a U.S. Marine, do, do your job. And I was uh, able to uh, um, organize a reaction, uh, um, a reaction force, uh, to secure the rest of the embassy and, and do my job. But that was the first really, really scary incident that, that I had in police work. Um, you know, everything happens really fast, just like in combat. You really, at the moment, you better act or the, uh, the reactions or the, the, um, repercussions can be, uh, life threatening and severe. So I think preparing your mind, uh, and you, we talked about Colonel Grossman. I read his book and, and extremely helpful. I listened to his tapes, uh, just stealing your mind for the encounter that may, may, may come. Um, and I liked when you say leadership, uh, I think a leader inspires, a leader motivates, a leader isn't petty. Um, to me, that's a leader. There's a difference between supervisors and leaders. A supervisor sustains, a leader innovates and invents. And, uh, so I've been fortunate to have some good leaders, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to have some not-so-good leaders that teach me what not to do. You know, Steve, as you're speaking, and you talked about our friend, uh, Colonel Dave Grossman, and all of his work, what an inspirational human being he's been for so many of us. And you talk about mm-hmm. being the only person uh, at the embassy that needed to rally uh, to uh, a response. In today's work environment, we talk a lot about psychological safety, creating uh, human-centered leadership approaches. 
And we know that while that may not work at all times in every organization and in every environment, especially when you are doing the, the work of the Daily Warrior, how, how in that moment can you recall did you create psychological safety so that you could rally for not only a reaction but a success? Obviously, you all came back to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I, I think it's it's uh, stealing stealing your heart, you know, stealing the uh, stealing your heart for adversity. Um, um, that, that to me, that's the preparation. You know, it's kind of a uh, something I can't totally put my finger on, but it's just. Uh, you know, that, again, old Conan the Barbarian, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So you can either succumb or you push through. And uh, I think uh, guys like us and people like us are the type that push through. Um, but, I, but again, um, each incident made me stronger. And, uh, um, and all through my life, you know, like I say, I, I tell my students when I'm teaching, I say all my triumphs are built on tragedies. And uh, so that... The, the tragedy takes me to my next triumph. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I think the idea of triumph to tragedy is always the core of any good, well-lived life. It's certainly the core of how we write books. Uh, it is the core of how we watch a movie. So uh, I'm enjoying this conversation so much, Steve. We're going to come back to more triumphs uh, that were the root. Uh, of uh, a tragedy, and we will be right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. 
EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, and happy Friday once again. Uh, we got our special guest, Steve Stoops, with us today. Uh, unique, if you're just now joining us, uh, one of the unique things that, uh, that Steve brings to the show is that he's, uh, he's actually served two careers, one in law enforcement and one in the military, and we're enjoying just uh, chatting with Steve. And, uh, he's sharing with us how tragedies throughout his multiple careers have turned into triumph. Um, so, Steve, welcome back. And uh, as we move forward, just talking and sharing uh, some tactics, techniques, procedures, life, life uh, lessons learned, um, if you could share with the audience, you know, you, you shared before we went to break um, your experience in the military uh, on this subject. Um, could you share an, an example, an experience that you had with law enforcement? Yeah, um one traumatic event that happened was uh, the thing about police work. It, it's some of the most benign calls that you go on are the ones that turn into chaos. Um, you, you, everybody's ready when they get the man with a gun call, but most of the incidents I've been involved with that were really scary, uh, uh, it, they, they didn't come out of serious calls. One night on a Halloween night, we had a uh, family disturbance. And me and two other officers showed up, and it turned out being nothing. The other two officers left, and as I was walking to my police car, a guy wearing a tuxedo and a derby hat and white gloves came walking up the street, and he looked at me and he said, F the police, and he, I, uh, I said, you need to calm down. And I, I walked up to him, asked him his name, and then he came over with a punch to my head and it what it turned out to be it wasn't a punch it was a knife but i didn't see it and i took him to the ground and i was by myself and um i was able to get on my radio and you know say that i was in a struggle but i had to do it myself and uh, i took the guy to the ground subdued him and then my backup showed up and they shined a flashlight and they said steve you're bleeding and uh, when we got the, the guy cuffed, he, uh, I stood up. I was also sliced in the chest as well. And they, I, I didn't know I'd been cut. I didn't know that he had a knife until my backup saw the knife and saw the blood on me. And that the funny thing was I had my dog with me. My police dog was in the car uh, watching the encounter, wagging his tail. You know, oh, this looks like fun. But he was of no <laughs> use to me. And that helped me uh, change my tactics uh, later on. I started, uh, I wrote a, an article that went national about, uh, you know, you, can, you don't have to go alone if you're by yourself. You can put a muzzle on your dog and uh, you have instant backup without the liability 
uh, if the situation goes bad, you can pull the muzzle off. So that was a technique that I developed. And it was funny, uh, about a month later, I got a trouble with a man call and I had no backups. People were busy. I stopped. I put a muzzle on my dog. We drove to the house. Daytime, probably 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I get out with my dog on leash because I'm thinking I don't want to be by myself until I know that this situation's either cool or not. I walk up to the house. The door flew open. A lady came out screaming, uh, ran past me, and right behind her was a guy with a butcher knife coming, and I just dropped the leash uh, of my dog so I could draw my handgun, but my dog ran to the guy, met him, and... Uh, I hit that guy uh, like a linebacker with the muzzle and took the guy off his feet. And that dog saved my life, probably saved that lady's life and probably saved the bad guy's life because I didn't shoot him. So, um, so again, that, that my first tragedy built into a, a technique or a tactic that saved my, that actually saved my life a month later. And that's just one example. You know, I had a crazy career as a policeman. Well, don't stop these stories because, first of all, the the foundation for your ability to create a way forward is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and we talk a lot about, you know, being brilliant in the moment. When you have these episodes where something's happening so quickly, do you see in the moment where you could have done something differently or does it come to you as a kind of hot wash in your own brain, like thinking about uh, a quick release muzzle or bringing the dog as backup or, you know, how you want to express this to other people so that they can, they can get in on this goodness and say, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, How do we do that? Like, where does that come from? Well, it, it actually, in the moment, you're in the moment. And, uh, um, so everything comes when you're, when you're, uh, coming down from the high and it takes a few days and you think and you get some clarity. And, uh, for example, after, after these two muzzle incidents, I had a, a national canine organization, a 5013C charity at the time. Uh, it was called Dogs Against Drugs, Dogs Against Crime. And we went nationwide. Um, and I had a magazine, and I was able to write the article about the muzzle, and it went nationwide. Hopefully, that helped a lot of other police officers be safe. Um, but uh, it prepared me for more intense situations. Uh, uh, another shooting where a guy uh, uh, tried to shoot me. And again, uh, I can go into that little story if, if you want me to. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. So... Uh, we, uh, I was on the SWAT team, and our SWAT team went to Fort Hood, Texas, to train. I didn't go with them because I didn't, I didn't. My wife had just had a baby, and I had to stay home with her. So one night, uh, I was, I, I got off duty about four in the morning, and I got my baby out of the crib, and I was feeding my baby. I still had my uniform on, and my telephone rang, and it was dispatched. And they said, "Steve, we need you at this address." Uh, because a guy shot at a police officer as he was arriving to this uh, d- um, disturbance call. What it turned out to be was this guy uh, shot at the policeman's car with a shotgun. The policeman called for backup. We had no SWAT team. It was in Texas. So you still have to act. And 
when I got there, I, I had to go in the house and look for this guy. And I sent my dog in the house and there was, uh, a dead body on the floor. And that guy had been murdered by the guy that shot at the police officer. Uh, he had ran out the back door and, uh, I decided to track the guy with my dog and I took two backups with me and they had long guns like, uh, uh, AR 15s. And I, uh, the guy ended up being like two yards away. My dog tracked him and I, I holstered my gun and I lifted my dog over the fence and, uh, my two backups came over the fence with me as we approached. I didn't, I pulled my gun out again and this guy called to me and he said, Hey, I give up. And as we, as we approached, he was laying against the garage and some tall weeds. And I got, I, I messed up tactically. Uh, had I known better, I would have released my dog, uh, uh, immediately, but I didn't. And I, I walked up and I told him to show me his hands. He showed me his hands. As I walked up closer, he came up and started took a shot and click, click, click. And it's funny how your brain works when he can't, when he came up with his hand, I was like, why does he have a cigarette lighter? Isn't that's a funny way the brain works. And then when he came up and shot, I dropped the leash and fell back. I didn't have my gun. And I told my backup, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. As I fell back and uh, my dog took care of it, took, took the guy in the leg and the guy dumped the firearm and my backups, they, they weren't, they uh, hesitated when they could have shot and I don't blame them. You know, that was probably their first incident like that, but that steeled me for my next gunfight. Uh, when, when I actually did draw and shoot, but, uh, that was a traumatic event that I AAR'd after action report in my brain. And that made me, that prepared me for the next intense encounter, which was another guy that tried to shoot me. And I was able to draw, draw fast and, uh, take care of that situation. But yeah, so every, Every triumph I've had, you know, I learned from a tragedy. That's a that's a very good story there, Steve. And I tell you, I'm just reflecting on. Um, so I have an acronym that I speak about and coach with, and uh, one of them's uh, the the word fearless. Um, for the audience out there, the R stands for right focus, right control. And as Steve's talking about this stuff and experiences I've had throughout my career as well, uh, you know, Steve, you're talking about how they hesitated, you know multiple reasons why one maybe the training wasn't up to par two they went into the the freeze mode you know for the flight fight or freeze but also they might have been uh too concerned with their accuracy that they might have shot the the dog Uh, a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. why i'm sure steve but that right focus right control to become a fearless leader um and fearless operator you got to train 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 and you know, every situation is different, like we talk about. Um, but the importance of that, and also, you know, as you're beginning a career, to embrace the training that your senior leaders, like Steve, put you through uh, for the reason mm-hmm. that you don't go into that freeze mode. You don't go into that decision-making. Um, because a lot of our SOPs, our standard operating procedures, and our TPPs, our tactics, techniques, and procedures with experts like Steve, are developed, unfortunately, more than non uh, from blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, you know what's funny, Matt? I don't know about you, but when it's going down, 
when it, when you are in the incident, I didn't, I didn't, I don't feel fear during the incident. Is that common? Uh, I feel it afterwards, but I just, you know, I, I just react uh, and do it. But, and also, uh, hearkening back to the two guys that didn't shoot, I mean, read, read, read on killing by Colonel Grossman, which you have like that, 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 that book was a, uh, that one and uh, "Steal My Soldier's Heart" by uh, David David Hackworth uh, were uh, were food for my brain, you know, and my heart. Yeah, absolutely. And that's you know, as you're talking about, um, you know, when you're in that moment, that's when your your training kicks in. It's a you know muscle memory yeah. type action, and that everything yep. happens at a different speed. Um, but you just, you know, thank God that we do have the training. We have the capability and the, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, agencies don't have, whether it's the money, whether it's the time, whether it's the experiences to train, um, at a high level, but that's what gets yeah. us through these, those moments. And, I, and I'd like to dig yeah. a little bit deeper into, I want to cat to kind of share with the audience. You mentioned, you know, how our brain operates. When you looked at his hand, you're like, why did, he had a, a lighter, yeah. and it was actually a pistol. How? Why? Why is? Yeah, that I can't explain that one. Uh, well, here's, maybe Doctor Catherine would know that, but I, <laughs> I don't know why I perceive that. I don't, I don't want to get all. Yeah, I don't want to get all psychological with y'all during this show because this is about you guys and you processing uh, how you experience these uh, sometimes and, and often life-changing tragedies uh, that that can really mark you for. Uh, for the future, but I, I am so grateful, and I cannot say this enough to all of you listening out there and those of you who have been our guests. Uh, we are so grateful for your service, and we just want to love you. We just want to wrap our voice and our souls around you through this show and say we're here. And the telling of the story is, is part of the healing if we can all tell our stories without judgment, suspending any idea of right or wrong, and simply allow the narrative to compel us from our innermost being to be in any way compassionate for the experience, not the outcome, but the experience, it is such a healing journey. And that's what this show is about. Strategies for Turbulent Times is on the Empowerment Network because it's a place where working warriors can come to share their story, to share with others who are experiencing trauma and tragedy in their lives as a result of not being able to recognize the triumph in that experience. And Steve, that's where you and Matt and myself with my own experiences, whether it's you know, uh, surviving uh, child abuse or uh, cancer uh, or whatever it is each of us does in service to our souls, let alone, as you and Matt have done, in service <laughs> to our nation and our communities. But the brain is a very interesting uh, set of, of instruments. I call them instruments because the brain and the mind and all of the synapses that are in there are geared to look at what might be a threat. And so it's a, it's a survival brain. We're hardwired for hard times, but it's not always accurate. 
And that's why telling the story is, is such a healing philosophy, uh, such a healing concept, because going through the story, you can see where we may have, in fact, misunderstood or filtered through aspects of it that are now coming clear. And that's why doing the after-action reviews or hot washes, especially in a, a shooting incident, some distance from the incident, as well as after the incident, meaning immediately after, is so important. A lot of people get admined right into giving the story, which we understand, but you're going to remember a lot more about that story after when the adrenaline, right, it has, has left your body, when you've been able to sleep and, and process it a little better, especially with compassion from others who are listening. So the brain uh, can very easily uh, be tricked. Um, we've seen this in, in studies uh, where we give the individual in an MRI, for example, uh, a, uh, a set of pictures. And we ask them, are these threats or are these uh, friends? And depending upon that person's experience, you can hear our little puppy growling. Depending upon that experience, right, they're going to interpret that a different way. So it's our experiences that get us to interpret what's going on around us in the moment. We're going to take a quick break. Um, I have been talking way too much. That's why you should never ask me a question. <laughs> That's why she's a doctor. <laughs> I'm and learning. We'll I'm right learning. Back. Oh, you're, you're, you're teaching. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Strategies <laughs> for Turbulent Times. Don't go away. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate. Impact. And transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. 
EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Um, you know, we've got our special guest here, Steve Stoops. Uh, quite, quite an amazing uh, career, uh, not just once, but twice, uh, but also being uh, such a great American, um, you know, I don't want to use the word hero because that's used all too often. Um, but, you know, just truly serving this nation, but also his community. He's got so much to share. In fact, we might put this into like a 10 part series because of Steve's, <laughs> Steve's experiences. But, um, uh, you know, where we want to kind of come to a close with is that, you know, Steve, uh, he's, he's done quite a bit just outside of being a service, uh, serviceman and law enforcement officer. Uh, he's also been on the public sector. He's, uh, you know, published two different working dog magazines and also he has his own website. And, uh, Steve, if, if um, you know, starting it off with, um, how you're, you heal? Right. Yeah, well, how do you recover from all that? And then also, how are you putting that information and those experiences into helping others out? If, you, if you'd share that with us. So you just said it, helping others out. Like, uh, I have a martial arts background, and I always studied Japanese uh, philosophy and the Bushido Code. And one of the tenets of the Bushido Code is uh, universal love and benevolence. So... I've tried not to let my heart grow hard. Um, when I was a policeman, I worked in the black community my whole career. And one thing I'm very proud of, I never had a racially based or uh, rudeness based complaint ever lodged against me in 21 years because Amazing. treating people right, treating people right is the most important thing about being a policeman. But the, from these incidents, what helped me heal were uh, not being afraid to go see a doctor, uh, talking to my friends, therapy and friends are Novocaine for the soul. And, oh, uh, that, th- 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 that's, that's what got me through. Don't, you know, I've had to, uh, take antidepressants, whatever. I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, that, that, that's, Nor should you. you know, Nor should police, police officers, <laughs> policemen, especially for, uh, or military guys don't try to be too tough. Uh, you know, get some Novocaine for your soul, be it through your friends or through, through therapy or whatever. Uh, and then try to, try to keep love in your heart and treat people right. I think that couldn't, been, couldn't have been said better there, Steve. And that's, I think that's one of the hardest things as being of service to others. The hardest thing is for us to look at ourselves um, because we are so used to being of service to others and we you know, take the shirt off of our back as, you know, as that quote goes, but it just, once it happens over so many years, it just comes ingrained into us. And, uh, I love that you just shared that, you know, how do you find that Novocaine for the soul? And also the comment that you said, 
you know, don't let your heart grow cold or hard. And I think that all too often that that's the case that can happen. Yeah. The other thing, Steve, I just want to validate and say good on you is we we all want some Novocaine sometimes. Sometimes it's just too much for us to take. But alcohol is not the answer. And, you know, being raised in an environment the way I was, where alcohol was uh, the drug of choice, Um, it was accessible, it was inexpensive, and it was acceptable. But the reality is anything uh, that is necessary over time to feel good is is not the answer, right? So when you talk about that Novocaine for your soul as as good friends and... uh, and good therapy, to me, that says it all. Uh, and good friends can also be good therapy. So it's making sure you keep those social networks. And as Matthew likes to say, and as uh, Dave Ghostman has, has taught many of us, sleep is your number one, your number one go-to for recovery, for survival. And these are the things that I, I love about this conversation and the other conversations that we have often with, um, I'll just say, uh, combat um, uh, hardened individuals, whether they come from the military or law enforcement. It, it's not getting hardened. It's keeping that soft edge, not so that you're empathetic at all times, but so that you can have empathy for yourself in the moment when it's necessary. And we call that name. Notice your emotions, accept them. They want to pass through you, manage them in the moment appropriately, and then express them as you can. And so one of the things that um, it's obvious you've done is you've done the hard work to do the work you're doing now with the Working Dog magazines and ZaneDogs.com. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so... Uh, ZaneDogs.com is my, my, my side business now. Uh, after the police department, I was lucky enough that Special Operations Command called me to help them uh, stand up a dog program. And the experiences I had there, I saw men there that are the creme de la creme, and, but they never lost their empathy. I've seen wonderful acts of empathy uh, in my time uh, uh, with, 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 with the organization that I'm, that I'm currently working for. So I had time to set up the side business training dogs. I have a saying that if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. And I got into dogs to have fun. And uh, now I do, uh, um, I did just taught Nashville SWAT, uh, a seminar, uh, Arizona DPS. Uh, uh, so I travel a lot working with law enforcement. And then I also uh, work with civilians as well. But the main, the main crux of it all is protection dogs. Uh, be it home protection or police dogs or commando dogs. Um, I do that on the side as well. And I only do it because I, money isn't the motivating factor. It's fun. You know, you get a short time to dance on the earth. and I want to have as much fun as I can do, as I can have. And dogs are my vehicle for that. That's amazing. I love it as I'm holding our little dog here. So when you do celebrity personal protection, you're not training the celebrity, right? You're training their head of security, I would assume. No, um, I just left uh, an A-lister uh, that you would know, but I, I won't mention the name. But I, I've spent uh, been to that client's home three or four times. Spent spent there uh, 
So I, I teach them how to, how to have a pattern of life with one of these dogs. So part of what I do is you get the dog, you also get me for the life of the dog. And uh, so uh, I'll go to Germany, select a dog for them, uh, deliver it, stay a few days uh, to make sure everything's right. And then if there's a problem, they, they've got me uh, at no extra charge. So uh, you have to, you know, that's a living being with a heartbeat. And I, I, I sell heartbeats, not widgets. And uh, so I always spend time with the, with the person getting the dog. I love everything you're saying. It just amazes me how we can find a niche that not only heals us, but reveals who we really are in life, connect to that and, and find a way to, to leverage it to make our lives better, happier, more fulfilling and serve others in the process. I mean, I don't think it gets any better than that. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I always say that I've made up a little saying that uh, uh, dogs are the only heartbeats that I could count on in my life. You know, they, a dog has never let me down. Uh, yeah, every time Matthew I, and I have done a program with uh, uh, post-suicide victims who are obviously, you know, individuals who stop themselves at the last moment or families of suicide victims, we hear the stories from officers who said, you know, I was sitting on the on the couch, uh, getting ready to suck, start a pistol. And my dog just jumped in my lap or my dog came up and licked me and it prevented me yep. from pulling that trigger. Uh, I don't think yeah. we realize, uh, the power uh, of, of your best friend, uh, being there for you and, and calling them your heartbeat. You know, that's really powerful because they are. Yeah. I, I love them. Uh, and, uh, I also, uh, you know, want to give a shout out to all the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines that I, that I've, uh, had the honor of working with these past few years. And they're, they as well are too good for this world. I've seen the things they do. One sitting right beside me, a, a guy named Isaac Swiftbird, he's here with me. Uh, uh, oh, he let you say his name was... in the public domain. <laughs> hey, hey, Ike, we're giving you some love, man. Thank you. That's sending the love, Ike. He's, he's, he's sending the love right back. A couple other guys that we have in common. Give a shout out to Johnny and Chris if you're listening, which I'm sure you are. So. In Indiana. I, <laughs> I raised those two boys. <laughs> <laughs> we love those boys. Yeah. Um, they were, I remember when they were wet behind the ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait until we all get together someday. And have a, I love these pack-ups <laughs> conferences. Yeah, I've made so many friends over the years, and uh, man, talk about True Blue, can't get any better. But Matt's got a final question here for you. So, you know, okay. he's got a, you know, not, there's not a whole lot of uh, experts that are in the canine field there, uh, Steve. For dog footwear, can you, what's your favorite dog <laughs> footwear? Because I'm, not, I'm asking you this because, you know, I'm looking at my, my pup. And uh, whatever experience, especially being in Arizona, I never knew that dogs could actually like burn their paws. But what's a good yeah. dog footwear? Like, <laughs> uh, there, there is one that I like, and I don't know the brand name. It's like a moccasin that you lace up, uh, a leather moccasin, and uh, we used them in uh, overseas. And the dog can't shake them off. And but I wish yeah, I knew the name, but I, 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 I don't know it. I'll that's, find out. I'll okay, find out, Matt, and I'll send it to you. Okay, we'll have to circle back. Now, moving over to yourself, what's your favorite pair of socks? 
my favorite pair of socks, probably my little Nike uh, calf socks. I, I don't wear the uh, the sissy socks. You, you don't wear you don't wear cashmere socks. <laughs> no, uh, and the footies. I I have a friend, a, a, a kid that's a, a friend, and he calls those sissy socks. Oh, so I, I I used to wear the sissy socks, but since he said sissy socks, I moved to the mid calf <laughs> Nike black socks. That is too yeah. funny. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's well, a good question. I, yeah, well, we'd like to end on a high note and a, with a little laughter and a, a little humor because, you know, we talk about some dark things on this show and it could be, get a little heavy for people, so we'd like to lighten it up at the end. But a couple lessons learned here, and that is from every tragedy, if we flip the switch on the narrative, we can actually get a triumph. And in our lives, yes. instead of letting experiences impact us, we can have an impact on that experience by taking what we've learned to help others do it without the pain and suffering uh, that we had. And those two lessons learned today from all of your amazing experiences from, you know, combat abroad to combat on our American streets. I want to thank you. I know Matthew does. I know our audience does. Sending out some love here for everybody who's listening Thank you for accepting us into your lives, and we cannot tell you how blessed we are to see the downloads, man. I mean, we are getting thousands and thousands of downloads on the on-demand uh, shows, and it's it's because of people like you, Steve, and all the wonderful warriors that share their stories, and we cannot thank you enough. Well, thank you so much. You and Matt made it really easy for me. I felt like I was talking to two really good friends. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Have a great weekend, my man. <laughs> I wasn't you guys say, too. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I, you know, female dogs can be really, really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We're losing control. Yeah, exactly. It's Friday. All right. Love you all. Take yeah. good care. Stay well. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Cat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.